tonight is ministry focus night. So if you've been with us, you probably kind of remember how these things go. We, we try to take um, the last Sunday of the month, or the fourth Sunday, I should say, because sometimes we have five Sundays, and, and go, to this, go towards a, a topic about um, our church or Christian walk. And so we're, we took the month of December off as we were working through Christmas things and coming out of that season, but now we're back into um, this, uh, the, the normal rotation. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last time. This has been two months ago, so if you don't remember, that's okay. But we, what we, where we left off last time we had ministry focus is with this idea of why study the Bible. And I told you I'd like to make a personal challenge or, or, or case to you um, that every Christian needs to spend time in the Word of God on a regular basis. Um, I, would, I would argue daily, um, and you know, one of the practical reasons for that is, of course, if you miss a day... You don't have to think about what day was I supposed to read the Bible. It's supposed to be every day, so tomorrow I'll just start, you know, I'll get back into it. But also because we we understand how much we need God in his word. And we talked about last time about how sometimes it's easier to to not do the things we know we need to do. I think most of us in this room would agree we need to read the scriptures. Um, But it's good to be reminded of these things. Why, Why is that so? Have you ever been in a position in your life where you've recognized that your life depended on something or someone else? Um, every time you step on an airplane, that, that fact becomes very evident, right? That if you're going to go cruise at 30,000 feet, your livelihood depends on pilots doing their job and it depends on the plane carrying you. Now, I'm not trying to make you afraid to go fly, okay? But just understand, right, we, we, we've been in these situations. You know, one of the things that I've always wanted to try personally in my life is scuba diving. Anybody ever gone scuba diving before? Okay? I've always thought that, I've always been fascinated with that, this concept of spending um, extended time under the water enjoying the creation of God in a, in a world that's all its own. And when you scuba dive, and you, you enter, you're entering a world, really, that isn't yours. That world belongs to the fish, right? That world belongs to those creatures that have the ability to live under the water. Your life depends on that equipment that you took with you so that you can have everything you need. The life of a Christian is much the same. If we know the Lord, then this world is not our home. We live in a different environment than the one we've been redeemed to. We are to be, as, as it says, in the world, but not of the world. We need God and his word to help us survive in the sinful world that we live in. We need his truth to guide us as we live for him. And, and I want to return tonight to the second part of this message, to the importance of personal Bible study. And, and, and understand that studying the Bible isn't just something you should do. You know, I'm not here tonight to promote a personal agenda. Like, you know, 
as a pastor, I think you should read your Bible, okay? But I'd like us to look at the Scriptures and see, again, that because the Bible is God's personal revelation to all mankind, has great benefit to and belongs in my personal life. Really, your spiritual life depends on your personal time with the Lord. And by that, I mean, I don't mean that if you don't read your Bible and you don't spend time with God, you'll lose your salvation. But if you want to grow and change and you want to be, make a difference for the Lord and you want to truly know him and know his power in your life, it depends on God's word. That is the source of, of all these things. And so let's recover a little bit where we were last time, just briefly, and then we'll push this thing forward uh, to the end tonight. So what we talked about last time is first we talked about this, that God's word is the source of all truth. And by that, we, we used a few words. The first was infallible, that as the word of God from the true God himself, God's word is incapable of being anything but truth. God doesn't just know all things. He knows all things as they really are. He knows what is reality. Therefore, he alone is the source of infallible truth. So God's word is a source of all truth that is first infallible, and secondly, we use this word, inerrant. Inerrancy is the fact that God's word is, in fact, true. And we talked about how the, the original autographs of Scripture, the, the, the first time that any of these things were written down in, in their native language, in Hebrew and some of it Aramaic and, and the New Testament in Koine Greek, that, that they were inerrant because they were, they were directly inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit to these authors. And over the years, within inerrancy, we often talk about this idea of preservation, that God has preserved his word, that the, the, the Bible you hold in your hands today, as, as accurately as it holds to the original languages, you can be assured that, that you have God's word. And then we said it was complete, that there is nothing we need to add to the word of God. Now, we may read good insights on Scripture to help us understand it further, but we will not be receiving any new revelation. And there have been, even over the last couple of years, um, not just movements, but even whole books that come out of, well, God revealed something new to me. The Word of God is complete. The canon, what we call the canon of Scripture, is, is closed. Now, God may use his word, he does use his word to speak to us, to, to teach us, to show us these things, but, but there's nothing new coming from God in that regard. You and I have God's completed word. And then the last part of, of God's word being the source of all truth was this idea that it is authoritative. The word of God isn't something we need to doubt when it comes to its rule over our lives. God alone controls all things. Therefore, his word alone has the final right answer. If you want to know ultimate authoritative truth, God's word is where you go to find it. So God's word is the source of all truth. And secondly, we, we got two points into this one. 
God's word is the source of all spiritual growth. And there was this first picture that we we found in, in Peter was this idea of dependency. That when it comes to growing in the Lord, God's word is necessary for us in that growth. If all you will do is listen to what others say about the scripture and never study it for yourself, you will never truly know God's word. We have to be dependent on the word of God. It's like eating a meal, right? You have to. You have to be dependent on food, right? To live. We need some sort of nourishment. But, but if all you ever do is listen to someone talk about how good food is, that doesn't do you any good. You have to take it for yourself. The same is true with God's Word. And then secondly, eventually, uh, what God's Word does is it brings us to maturity. As we grow in the Lord, spending time in His Word and maturing there should be what we may call bigger things that we are able to handle. This comes from a passage in Hebrews. There is an expectation from God that as we spend time with him, we will grow in him. He promises to grow us. And if you seek maturity in God, his word is what you need. And so that brings us to where we left off last time. So God's word is the source of spiritual growth. We need a dependency upon it. We, we also see through it maturity in our lives. And then third, what we see in it is also victory that's given to us in our lives. Here's a realization that every Christian has to come to grips with. The Christian life is war. Have you found that to be true? Have you found that the verses of Galatians chapter 5, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary, the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. Because we live with that old sinful body that we're still in that loves to sin. You know, we, have, we may have the new man, that regenerated soul, but we still struggle and we fight against sin. The Christian life is a war. It's a battle. It is a fight for supremacy. And the question is, who will you listen to and who will you follow, the flesh or the spirit? And if we walk in our flesh, we will sin and we will live as those who do not know God. And I don't know about you, but I do not like to lose. You know, if you come over um, sometime and hang out with us and play games, you'll find that I love to play games. I love to do things. But you know what I really love to do? I love to win, right? Some of you have been around. I think it was uh, Jason and I, we were playing games one night. And we were just having a great time. And he finally looked at me. He said, whose team are you on? I said, I'm on my team, right? And we were joking around, you know. But we like to win, right? We like to to be on the winning side. And that's especially true in our spiritual lives. We, We want to be on the winning side. You know what? If you know Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you are on the winning side. God has promised you the victory, and not just the victory in the end, not just, not just when you get to heaven. He's promised you victory in this life over your sin. 
Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Does that seem like a powerful um, resource for victory that God has given us? The word of God has great power in our lives to help us see victory won over sin and temptation. Have you ever felt in your life that you were just struggling to get victory over a certain sin? That it just seemed like no matter what you did, no matter what you, you know, you just, and, and you tried everything, Right? You, you tried removing the situation. You tried this. You tried that. You tried willpower. You need the Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need His help. The power to win against sin and temptation in your life comes from God's Word. The power to see salvation affected and sanctification engaged is the power of God revealed in the Scriptures. You know who modeled this for us? Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, we have there recorded the temptation of Jesus. And Jesus endured temptation from the devil who came and, 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 and attacked him. And what did Jesus use to refute Satan? He used the word of God. Look at these verses in Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus Christ, 100% man and 100% God, showed us that there is victory in the Word of God. God's Word is is our powerful source of victory. And if you want to see true, lasting victory over sin in your life, you need the Word of God. And I said a minute ago, we've all had times in our lives when we felt defeated. And it seems that whatever sin it is that we've wrestled with has just gotten the upper hand repeatedly. We don't know where to turn, and we don't know what to do, We can go back to the word of God. That's the answer. And he uses that word to help us attack our sin with his help. In fact, I want you to notice something in Ephesians chapter 6. What is uh, is it that's found at the end of Ephesians chapter 6? We're going to test our Bible content knowledge here. The armor of God. Okay, I'm going to give a gold star right over here. Okay. There is one piece of offensive weaponry in the, in the armor of God. And what is that? The sword of the Spirit, which is the... And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians six seventeen. And it's an interesting word that's, that's chosen here. It's used more than once in the scriptures. This word sword, to describe the word of God, is the same word for sword that's used in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we think of sword, we get, we get images in my head. Some of you have been to my office. I have in my office this awesome sword I brought back from Spain. It's, it's made of Toledo steel. And it's one of those swords that, you know, you pick it up, you just feel like a man, right? You're going to go out there and just 
hack up some bad guys, you know, or trees, you know. No bad guys around here to hack up, I guess. Right? It's a different age. And that's, sometimes we think of a sword, you don't think we're going to whack somebody's head off with it. That's not this word. The word of God is not a gigantic sword that one swings wildly, lopping off heads. No, the word is a short, dagger-like sword used for precise surgical strikes. God uses his word in our lives to deal with who we are and what we need to change. And how many times in your life has he done that? How many times has he used his word to go right to the issue, to go right to that whatever it is you were struggling with, whatever it is you need help with? He helps us to use it in our lives to deal with specific sins and temptations. And in God's word gives us perfect and complete victory over each sin we face. So within the pages of God's word, we find the power of God, for he is its author. He gives us complete victory to stay away from sin. He gives us complete victory over our sin. And he also, lastly, in this section, gives us guidance on what we should do to please him. So lastly, God's word is a source of spiritual growth because it is our source of guidance. You know, over the years, working with teens especially, there's, there's a lot of credence and a lot of precedence and a lot of a lot made of of this statement you know what I really want to do is I want to find the will of God for my life you ever heard that before you ever said that before right you ever thought that before (laughs) and and when we say that what are we often talking about we're usually talking about some major decision in our lives you know for me, working with teenagers is like, where are they going to go to college? You know, who are they going to date? Who are they going to marry? What are they going to do with their lives? You know, they're just like, I'm just trying to find God's will. And it carries on throughout our lives, right? When we talk about changing jobs or moving or whatever it may be. We often relegate this to the large decisions of our lives. And we, we sometimes, probably more times than not, treat it like some gigantic mystery, you know? Like, we're just trying out here, we're out here trying to discover God's will. And one day we'll know that, you know, the truth is out there and we'll find it. But God's word, and God's, I'm sorry, God's will is very plain before us. Do you know where the will of God for your life is found? In the word of God. We do not have to wonder where to find that, that will for our lives. It's in the pages before us. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word shows us the way before us. Let's take it a step further. God's word gives us guidance on how we live lives that honor him. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? This is God's everyday guidance for our lives. And these aren't the only two verses. They just show us what what the scripture contains. 
The word of God guides us how to live in such a way that will bring honor and glory to our Savior. And as you read the scriptures, truly studying them and seeking God's help to understand it, he will use them to guide in your life. And oftentimes, the guidance of God in our lives doesn't come in these life-changing, big moments. You know how it comes? It comes in the everyday, consistently obeying God. And the God we obey in the little things guides us in the big things. And I know, okay, I've been there. Sometimes we have something really big on our hearts. And we just want to lay out behind our house and say, okay, God, if you would just write it up there in the sky, then I would do it. But that's not how God, that's not how God works. He wants us to walk with him daily that we may know what it is he would want us to do. In our times of need, he brings back to our minds the scriptures that we have studied and applied with his help. When we feel lost, he uses his word and the teachings and the principles found within to help us understand what we should do next. But you can't get to that point. You you can't get to the point of, when I really, really need it, that it's there, that God brings back to my heart, if you just live with a I'll check in every once in a while mentality. If that's the way we live, then there's going to be nothing there, not that God leaves us, but we haven't filled our hearts with who God is. And I would argue if that's the way we live, we just check in every once in a while. We're not looking to God until the last resort anyway. What it takes is a consistent, ongoing immersion in the eternal word of the eternal God. God's word is the source of spiritual growth. And in it we find our dependency, our source of maturity, our victory, and guidance for our lives. So truly, we can say this. Lastly tonight, that God's word is sufficient to meet all of our needs. And God's word, I would say, is sufficient in three different areas. First, is sufficient for our salvation. The greatest need of the human heart is met in the scriptures. The Bible is sufficient to meet this need. God uses his word to teach us about himself. It shows us who he is, who we are, the sin problem we have, and how we can be made right with him. Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But you, he's talking to Timothy, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Everything a person needs to know to find salvation from sin is found in God's word. The Bible is sufficient to this end. In fact, here again, the power of God is put on display. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. God's word is the source of your relationship with God. God's word is the source of others' relationship with God. So it would seem natural then that we would want to know what God's word says 
so we can share it with others. And this is the comforting thing. No one's salvation depends on you. It depends on the word of God. And so you say, well, then I need to be ready to share the word of God. Absolutely. We do need to be ready to share the word of God. Do you desire to know what the scriptures say about eternal life that you can share it with others? Studying God's word will help prepare us to more effectively share the gospel with others. And that is something that every Christian is called to do. You're called to make disciples. And as effective as outlines and verses and those sorts of things are, they need to be based on the word of God. No one ever got saved. No one ever came to know the Lord because of the three-point outline in a poem. Now, might God use that in, 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 in that setting? Sure. People come to know the Lord because they come to know what God says. And God works in their hearts. God's word is sufficient for salvation. You don't have to worry about saving someone. You need only point them to the word of God. So if God's word is, is sufficient for salvation, that should motivate us to know it. Not just for us personally, but for others we may come in contact with. Secondly, God's word is sufficient for sanctification. It is sufficient to grow us in him. And we talked all about that, how it's our source of growth. But I just, we want to put a nice little bow on it here. The word of God continues to work away in our hearts after salvation, growing us in him. See, God didn't save us to live for ourselves. No, he saved us to give us a new life that glorifies him. And then he tells us and empowers us through his word to do this. Paul would go on in that Second Timothy passage to say, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word tells us what is right, that is doctrine, what is wrong, that is reproof, how to make it right, that is correction, and how to keep it right, that is instruction in righteousness. And he does this that we may mature in him and become more and more like him. See, until the day you enter your eternity, you are growing in him. God's word is sufficient to sanctify us. If you're depending on your own strength to be like God, you're never going to get there. You need God's word and God's spirit working in you together. And, and the only way you're going to see real victory in life is through dependence on God through the word of God. And one of the, the, the great things about being a pastor is I get the opportunity, with, by God's grace, to, to help you know, people who are struggling with, with things in their life sometimes. Because we've all been there, that we just felt like we needed some help, Right? And I just, I love that, that, that I get to be a part of that process, that God has just allowed me to, to be along for the ride sometimes. And, and almost without exception, if, if someone comes and we, we begin to meet and we, we talk about what's going on in their life, in that first time we meet, I say something to this effect. Now, I just want you to know, from the very beginning, that I cannot change you. 
And, you know, not usually, but most of the time it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we didn't need to say that. But, you know, you thought, oh, why did I come here then? <laughs> right? But it's one of those things, you know, we, we got to be on the same page. No one else can change you. Only God and his word can do that. That's why if, if you come here seeking counsel, my goal, our goal here is to point you to the word of God to help you in these things. And, and you sure, you know, we'll help guide you along the way, help keep you accountable to the scriptures. But the truth is, no one can change anything, anyone else. Many have gotten married and discovered that this is a fact. That God is the only one who can change us. And as we work through struggles and sin, or we help others do the same, we must remember that. And that is why it is a passion of mine that our pulpits must be full of the Word of God. That is why our hearts and our lives must be full of the Word of God. That is why our homes must be full of the Word of God. Because you and I cannot change ourselves, and you and I cannot change other people. Only God can do that. And by faithfulness to His Word, He can do that. He can do that in your life, and He can help you help others through His Word. We should be compelled to study God's word that we will see further growth in the Lord. As we study and grow, we will experience the third thing that God's word is sufficient to do. The third thing that God's word is sufficient to do in our lives is to bring about the approval of of God on our lives. We like to find approval. You know, if growing up, you know, if you played ball, you know, you liked that the coach would give you approval if you played on a team. You liked that, that your, your music teacher gives approval of the things that you have practiced. You liked that your boss gives his approval. You liked that your parents give you approval of things that are going on in your lives. You know whose approval we want most? We want, the, we want God's. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. How? A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God approves of his servants who give themselves to accurately understanding and applying his word. And that type of diligent study takes time and it takes faithfulness. It takes devoting the time, time after time. In school, it takes long, hard hours to avoid turning in subpar, failing work. Right? Some of us have tried and failed. Right? I'll just squeeze this in at the last minute. It doesn't go very well, does it? In the study of God's word, it takes faithfulness of character to go back to his word regularly Studying it out. And the workman who seeks to accurately understand God's word will find God's help and will meet with God's approval. As a Christian, we should want God's approval on how we live our lives. We should long that when we enter eternity, we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. We should seek his glory in all things. That takes time and effort on our part. You know what it takes? It takes time devoted to the word. 
And that time, in the end, is always worth it. Because living in a way that honors God is always worth it. And we're so, we're so distracted. I, mean, I, I don't know about you, but I get up in the morning, and there's stuff to look at on my phone. Sometimes I get up in the morning, and my phone starts going off right away. You know, sometimes you, you, you get caught up on, on things with that, or you get caught up with things around the house you need to do, or you get, you get caught up with the work things, you get caught up with this, and that. We live very distracted lives. And so to set aside time with God is sometimes a discipline. It's, it's a, I, I know I need to do this. And I'm here to tell you it's always worth it. Because when you get to the end of your life, you know, in the end, it really doesn't matter who won the game. When you get to the end of your life, it doesn't really matter if the dishwasher got started now or 30 minutes later. When you get to the end of your life, it doesn't really matter if we saw that meme or not. You know what matters? What do we do for Christ? How do we serve him? And the, the sooner that we get a hold of this, the greater we can serve God with our lives. You know, I think of our kids in the Awana program, our teens in the youth group. The younger you, you de- develop and ask God to give you a heart to serve him with all you are, and spend time with him, the greater you can serve God with your life. We don't have to play catch up. Because the Bible is God's personal revelation to all mankind, it has great benefit to and belongs in my personal life. I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning, that if you know the Lord, this world that, you, that we live in here is not, not our home. And one day we will enter the presence of God forever and be forever glorified. But until that time, he has called us to live for him. But God has not left us here to just figure it out, but has given to us his personal word. And God speaks to you and he speaks to me through his word every day. So why study the Bible? Well, because it is the source of all spiritual truth, spiritual growth, and it's sufficient to meet all our needs. You need a personal time with the Lord, asking him to teach you. You can't live a godly life without it. And no one can do this for you. That's, and that's hopefully the case I've made over the last couple of times, that, that you can't... I, I, listen, I'm glad you come to church. Don't, don't take this the wrong way, okay? Don't stop coming to church. Well, the pastor said, you know, nobody else can do it for me. So, okay? There's other scriptures about that. But you can't live on this all week. You have to spend time with God. You have to seek him for yourself. And I get it. Sometimes... Sometimes the task seems larger than life. Because sometimes we struggle with, how do I do that? You know, sometimes we, 
we think of the, the scriptures we've heard growing up and, you know, we get scary words in our heads like evil concupiscence and we don't even know what that means or how to spell it. Or I don't even know, like, when I read a verse, I mean, where would I go to find something about that? Or, or how would, you know, what, what are some resources? Or, or how would I sit down and do a study of such and such? Well, next ministry focus, so next month at the end of February, we're going to unpack I would like to take at least one, if not two, and I'd just like to unpack with you some practical considerations and suggestions, um, just as, as your pastor, to maybe just share some things with you that have, that have helped me along the way and maybe have a help and a blessing to you. Because, but, but it has to start here. We have to start with, it's important. We need to do it. And then we kind of attack it from there. Now, now how do we do that? And by God's grace and through his word... We can grow to be more like him every day.